The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach would be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race trips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA Foo scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT22 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITO Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and SlayRx. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Marietta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I am an endurance athlete in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a mom to three girls and a CPA. And my name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm a father to three college students and the husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa. 
Very good. And we are all three post turkey trot here. We're recording this on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving here in the United States. The most popular day of running in the United States is always Thanksgiving. All three of us ran races. Let's see how it went here. Michelle, let's start with you. You did the Atlanta half marathon, right? Yeah. I'm wondering at what point the word trot is kind of <laughs> like, I feel like trot is anywhere from, you know, like a hundred yard dash to a 5k. Mm -hmm. Once you get above a 5k, like, are we really still trotting? Point taken. And you, you know what I learned last night? I was just kind of looking through a few different things. The Atlanta Marathon, you know, used to be on Thanksgiving, right? I do. Um, and, and they literally would have five times as many people sign up for the half marathon as they did for the marathon. And then that spring one started around St. Patrick's Day and more people end up running that one. So eventually they got rid of the marathon on Thanksgiving. I learned last night that until they got rid of it, it was actually the only marathon in the United States on Thanksgiving Day. Ergo, really? it was the longest of the so-called turkey trots in the U.S. But <laughs> well, to your point, I never, perhaps I shouldn't have called it a turkey trot. I never tried the Thanksgiving Day marathon, but they, for two or three years, replaced it with what they called the Atlanta Marathon. And it was on Halloween-ish, like right then. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a marathon that started from Atlantic Station and was just as dreadful as Publix, the marathon that's <laughs> <laughs> in March. So I, I, ran, I ran both of those a year that they both ran um, as just kind of standalone marathons here in Atlanta. So I'm good with the max being 13.1. Uh, I did that yesterday and it was pretty fun. It was a nice day. It was a little warmer than than I than I remember it being, but I mean, there's also been years where it's been really hot, but it was really perfect running weather, mm -hmm. kind of mid to upper fifties and uh, overcast seemed like a really good turnout. They also have a 5k now. So <laughs> there's probably five times as many 5k runners as half marathon runners. Now that Atlanta track club offers that on Thanksgiving day and they have for the last several years. Um, but yeah, it was good. Atlanta track club has a new mascot and uh, the mascot was there. Sadly, nice. I didn't put my phone on me. I really wanted to get a picture with the oh, mascot. Oh, I, I think I even told you that if you don't get a picture with the mascot at the half marathon, then you're off the podcast. But yeah, my that's plan a was a pretty to empty thread. I don't think I'm gonna through that one. <laughs> my plan was to get a picture at number pickup, but I didn't realize that they changed number pickup to downtown at the stadium, and that was just not happening for me. So I ended up having someone else pick up my number, but. Yeah, it was a good uh, Thanksgiving Day run. I was supposed to treat it as like a progression run and really progress as much as I <laughs> had hoped to. <laughs> uh, so, but all in all, it was good to, you know, get in a longer run before a really big meal. So, mm -hmm. and you, you, you ran with a couple of friends of the podcast, didn't you? Yeah. So I ran with, uh, started with a big group of people, actually, people that have, Allison Mercer was, uh, we all just kind of started around each other. She was pacing the 145 group. Um, Lauren Fogarty was there. Uh, Dara Steele-Belkin was on the other side of me. So interestingly, um, Dara just ran a marathon last week. She ran Big Bear. She ran a 306, which is pretty badass. Um, so she typically, you know, gets in costume for the half, but she typically races it but she kind of just hung back with me this year and I was really thankful for that but she had on an apron and a chef's hat and carried a turkey baster <laughs> and the, the best part of running through Atlanta yesterday 
were watching people's faces when they realized what her costume was. Mm -hmm. Attention. I, a hundred people must have cheered for her. They could not get over the costume. They loved it so much. Um, so that was, that was really fun. That was a new experience for me. So, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Eric, you, <laughs> you were the defending <laughs> champion at the skinny Turkey 10 K. Um, and, uh, you had built your entire strategy around winning the race and defending the title. And that's it. <laughs> Whether it took a hour and a half long, uh, uh, 10 K to do it or a 26 minute 10 K to do it. The goal was to win. Uh, don't keep us in suspense, man. How'd it go? I won. <laughs> Congrats on defending the title. buddy. <laughs> yeah. I, um, it, it, it was interesting. I, I really in, enjoy this race. It's a Wakefield 10 K uh, half marathon, five uh, K and then one mile fun run. And it's not a big run. Obviously if I'm winning a road race, it's not a big run. Um, and, but, but it is fun. Um, it's well organized. It's on, um, a course that's not easy. It's a, it's, it's a good course, both the half marathon and the 10 K and it's not, you know, heavily trafficked. It's not a place I run all the time. So I, I, we, we really enjoy it. We've done it two years in a row now. And when I say we, uh, Melissa, Grace, and myself, my, my wife, my daughter, and myself, we went out there and, and ran it. Um, but yeah, my, my strategy, as I, I told George was to, uh, sit on the shoulder of whoever was in the lead of the race, as long as I could, and if they're running seven thirties, I'll run seven thirties and then run away from them at the end. If they're running six fifties or six thirties, I'm going to hang on as long as I can and see if I can defend the title. Um, it didn't quite play out like that. It, it played out a little differently. Um, I went out at six thirteen because there were two guys in front of me who I did not see at the start and I did not see in the corral and I didn't understand what was going on. Um, and at the first mile, they were probably a quarter mile ahead of me. So they, they came through the first mile at sub six. Um, I saw them at the turnaround and I was kind of in no man's land for that whole period. And at the, cause it's an out and back and at the turnaround, they were still looking pretty good, but they were not in the race. And I did not realize that <laughs> and they did not finish the race. Um, and, and I didn't, I, I wasn't oh planning God. for that either. Um, were they just two in, guys out for like, who were they? Just two guys out for a run. No were, they, were they banditing the race? Like who were they? Yeah. I think they were banditing the race. Uh, these guys were one guy may have been late twenties. The other guy was definitely early twenties. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were just fast mm -hmm. at least for four miles. Cause I only saw them for four miles. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they were gone. I didn't see him at the finish. I think but, um, they were a plant by your competitors to drag you out too fast. <laughs> to try, to, try to break me. Mm -hmm. So, so that was, that was a little crazy. Came home with a pie. Um, obviously the race medal, uh, a $25 gift certificate to run and try up here in Raleigh. Cool, and then cool. uh, I got a, a, a metal holder, a thing that you put on the wall to like all drape right. all of your race medals on. So it was fun. I mean, it was, it was a good day and I'll, I'll go ahead and tack onto that. You know, we, we do this as a family thing. So Grace and Melissa were, were running as well. Um, uh, Grace ran with a friend from college and he pushed her to run a uh, 7.15 pace for the half marathon. She thought the lady she was chasing down would put her in third place for the race. 
Uh, turns out she got fourth place overall for the females, first place for her age group. Uh, Melissa, shortly behind her, running 730s something, um, very steady through the race. Um, she won her age group also. Mm -hmm. So um, it wasn't just uh, me defending my title. It was uh, Melissa and Grace setting the standard for future half marathons All at right. the Skinny Turkey. Um, <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. Very cool. Very cool. Lots of, lots of bling and tasty stuff uh, to add to our <laughs> Thanksgiving meal. Awesome. Very good. Very good. Now this, this is the interesting part. So I want everybody to understand this. I won this 10 K running a 41 and change. Mm -hmm. <laughs> George, tell us about your experience. I was going to say, which was about 10 minutes slower <laughs> than the winner of the, of the race that I ran. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the the gobble jog in Marietta always is is about my level, and so I've I, I've won it before, um, but but it's always like me near or in the front group, um, and there's always a group, which is good. Um, but uh, but this year there were three guys that just sort of took off and were kind of gone, um, and then I ran with two or three others for most of the race, and um, and and then ultimately ended up finishing sixth. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the top three guys all ran, the first two ran under 32 minutes and the, uh, the, the second one ran or the third one, I think ran just over 32 minutes. Um, and then there was a guy that was about 30 or 40 seconds in front of me and another guy that was about 15 to 20 seconds in front of me. Um, and then I, like I said, I was six, um, all of them were well under 30. <laughs> um, and so I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. I, I, I won the master's race. And so that's good. I, uh, I did not taper for this at all. I, uh, I did a Zwift bike race that turned out to be pretty hard on Tuesday night. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I was definitely feeling that 36 hours later when I was going up the hill, uh, in mile four here of this 10 K. So we actually um, talked about that Tuesday night because yeah. you and I both raced. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it was just, maybe this was not our best preparation. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Um, but no, I was, I was perfectly ha happy with how it went. Uh, the only, uh, the only, uh, bad part about the race was that the, the three guys who did finish, uh, up front, I crossed the finish line and, and I kind of fist bumped the guy that I'd run with for a lot of it that ended up finishing about 15 or 20 seconds in front of me. Um, and I said, I said, great work guys. What'd y'all run? Um, and they all looked at me as if to say, why is this dude talking to us? And they all kind of looked at each other like, you know, which one of us is going to lower ourselves to, to speak to this guy. Um, this and, then old man. and then, then finally, exactly. Uh, wearing a Santa Claus shirt and rainbow socks. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and finally the winner goes, I ran 31 11. Uh, and I was like, that's great, man. And I just kind of, kept, and I just, you know, went on, uh, I looked up at Strava later on and, uh, interestingly enough, he works at a local running store. Um, and so I'm going to make a point never to shop at that running store anymore <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> because I can do nothing well, if not hold grudges, <laughs> you are, you are one of the best grudge holders. I know I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm continuously <laughs> impressed with your grudge holding. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, but yeah, no, I was happy with it. I mean, all things can Considered. I was thinking after the race that this year is so weird and we're going to do a year end podcast in which we all reflect on our years and how they went and that sort of thing in a few weeks. Um, but 2022 has actually been a really good year for me. But what's so funny is if you if you plot all of my races on like a graph, you have this sort of level of performance 
that is even throughout the course of the entire year. And this sort of fell in that. It's the, these, you know, 35 to 35 and a half minute five, or 10Ks, um, these like, you know, just over 17 minute 5Ks, these like 116 to 117 half marathons, like stuff like that, like that level of performance. And then you have the London Marathon, which is like this huge outlier, <laughs> you know, um, which is like a far better race. Um, and I, I'm kind of thinking about, okay, is this what my, my future is? Like, is this sort of the new normal for me as I move forward post pandemic, as I approach 50, all of that sort of thing that I'm going to have like this one level of performance all year long. And then I'm gonna have one big a race that just stands super apart from everything else. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, and if I am, am I okay with that? I don't know, but all in all, it was good. My sons, more importantly, ran their first 5k. Yes, I was going to uh, ask you about that. Uh, they did, and they did well. I mean, this is not an easy course. This is a fairly hilly course with two big hills right around halfway, um, and they uh, they did well. They ran most of the way. Um, the only time they walked was when they were drinking water, um, and and they both ran they both ran thirty nine flat for for uh, this five k course, and so that was solid, good. solid yeah, first five I mean, k. Um, and it was super crowded too. This is one of the largest uh, uh, road races on Thanksgiving in the United States. Um, uh, somewhere around like 10,000 to 12,000 people actually take part. And the vast majority are walking and pushing strollers and they have dogs and all that sort of thing. And we started a little bit too far back in the pack. Um, they're already talking, my sons are already talking about next year, uh, doing it again. And, uh, and I was like, that sounds great. We're going to start a little bit farther up next year. <laughs> um, uh, and so that'll be good. That'll be good. So that that, that does lead me into a couple of questions. You know, George father, George coach, George runner, you know, your kids are there. What was the, was there any preparatory like, hey, think about this? I, kn I know you're not like saying like, okay, we're going to go buy a set of, you know, carbon plated shoes and that, but like, what was the preparation talk like? How did you, yeah, like, what, yeah, what level were we at? Yeah, it w well, it was funny because so both of my sons, um, one thing that we as parents really try and, and encourage is them uh, taking on things that are challenging, right? That challenge is good. Like we like things that are hard, right? Um, trying to, to encourage them to be resilient and, and to, to welcome the opportunity to grow. Um, and uh at the same time, I think one of the reasons why this becomes such, such a priority for us is because both of them, one of them in particular, but both of them kind of get nervous around challenges. Um, and so immediately prior to the start of the race, um, and even over the course of the, the two or three days leading up to the race, they were like, I'm nervous. I'm kind of scared. I don't know if I can do it. This is, you know, and, and so we, we talked a lot about just sort of remaining diligent, sticking to it, being tenacious, all that sort of thing. And they were. Um, they did great in that regard. Um, you will appreciate that, that with about 100 meters to go, I said, all right, fellas, a lot of people, when they get close to the finish line, they really push hard and they sprint into the finish. It's called a kick. Do you have a kick? You want to kick it in? And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> we do not want to kick. And I was like, all right, that's okay. Daddy's not really known for his kick either. That's okay, fellas. So that's um, good. Yeah, it was fun. That's it good. was good. Um, and like I said, they're already looking forward to next year. So I am too. Um, we'll see whether we end up doing this race next year or some other, but we'll do something next year for sure. So for sure. I have a couple of comments on that. And it comes back. I read something mm -hmm. and it was talking about, 
um, research that was done on self-talk during mm-hmm. runs. Mm-hmm. And it was specifically how you talk to yourself to yeah. encourage yourself. And there's, there's two flavors they were looking at. It was like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, it's all this. I, um, I guess we'd call that first person. Mm-hmm. And then the other side was you can do this. Right you can, have you read, have you, did you read yeah. anything about this? Did yeah. we share this? Yeah. And, okay. In fact, we, we haven't talked about it on the podcast. I was thinking about including it on our recent research podcast last week, but we just ran out okay. of time. Yeah. Okay. And I don't, maybe I picked it up from you, I, I guess, but I actually practiced that during this race. And what was funny is on purpose, was, on purpose, mm-hmm. the beginning of the race, because coming out of the, the Zwift race and still, I'm only, I'm less than four weeks out of the, the hundred miler. I knew that this was going to be a mentally difficult race for me, just mentally difficult to kind of stay on, on, you know, on pace and whatnot. Uh, so that's what I was doing, but I like, that's what I thought about in the beginning of the race that mm-hmm. blew up after the first mile, right? When I came across <laughs> the first mile and I saw six thirteen, I was like, Oh, this is, this is going to be a disaster. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of hanging on by a thread and like my time, you know, miles were going up and I was like, this, this is not what I planned on doing. But then when, when the guy, you know, passed me on that hill, I, it snapped into my head to start talking to myself like that again. Mm-hmm. And it was, you are not going to let this happen. Mm-hmm. You will drop the pace down. You mm-hmm. will run hard down the hills because mm-hmm. you see that he struggles on that. And then on the flats, you will open up your stride and you mm-hmm. will pull away from him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can't say it works. It's a one-on-one, but mm-hmm. I can say the results yesterday were uh, positive. You can, you can say that your own experience aligned with what that recent research showed that yes. actually speaking to yourself in the second person distances you from the experience. Um, and, and that somehow ultimately creates more effective self-talk. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, that, you can do this. Would, you yes. can get this back. You're not going to let this guy beat you stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, so that worked great for me. Yeah, no, the stuff on self-talk is super interesting. Um, and and there's that research and there's several others about like using positive language only and 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 stuff like that. I still haven't read any good research on what the best things are to say to other people when running. Yeah. Um yeah. and 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 certainly as an experienced runner, I have had very much the wrong things said to me over the course of <laughs> of, of the last several decades, but um, but some of the right things too, you know, um, for sure, for sure. Um, well, very good, very good. I'm glad that we all had successful outings here for our runs on Thanksgiving, not our turkey trots, right, Michelle, but our runs, right. our runs, yeah. All right, we, we want to focus this week on a gift guide. Before we do that, I know that we had some some other reflections on some of the things that we talked about last week. Um, one thing I wanted to mention is um, that a few of the people who do the Wednesday and Friday workouts with me uh, listened to the podcast and had some commentary about the, uh, the playlist that I make for them every week. They took particular uh, notice of when I gave Eric a hard time for being like a so-called spin instructor for focusing on like the lengths of songs and stuff, they reminded me that there have been definitely times in our working out together that I have molded the workout around songs rather than molding the songs around workouts. Um, uh, Particularly, there's been uh, at least one time, there might've been a couple of times um, when the theme was one song per repeat. 
Um, and so I would play songs that were five, six, seven minutes long. Like that was the musical theme. And, and the repeat would go from the beginning of the song to the end of the song. Um, on another occasion, and Michelle, you'll appreciate this one. Um, when Taylor Swift's All Too Well, her re-release of All Too Well earlier this year became the number one song on the Hot 100, the Billboard Hot 100. And it was the longest song ever to become the number one song on the Billboard Top 100. Um, <laughs> I uh, I actually made that song uh, the opening song from our workout. And we did a 10 minute and 34 second repeat um, oh. which is the full length of that song, um, which is not a song that has 140 beats per minute, by the way. Um, but it was good for just like a nice steady tempo to start off a long 10 minute and 34 second repeat there at the start of workout. Um, and then when the meatloaf died earlier this year, um, I made a workout where, uh, we did paradise by the dashboard light, which is about nine and a half minutes long. That song, if you know, it has like different phases, um, and there were some sprints here and some hard pieces here and some steadier pieces here, all based around the tempo and the, uh, the story that's being told in that song. Um, and so, so definitely that was going on too. Now, I should also say the other thing I want to say about playlists here, um, that it should come as a surprise to no one. It definitely did not come as a surprise to Michelle when I told her uh, <laughs> that our talking about playlists on this podcast inspired me to make a playlist for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly um and so i included all the songs that we talked about last week uh, we talked about sabotage and what the hell by avril lavigne till i collapse um every time we touch countdown right hand man uh industry baby uh jaded giddy up let's ride like all these songs we talked about um eric had mentioned like lincoln park at one point so i put a song by lincoln park on there um Every single song on that playlist is 140 beats per minute and up, except for one. My song. The one that's <laughs> waka, not waka. is Waka Waka, uh, <laughs> It's Time for Africa by Shakira, which is a great song, I agree, but it's only, according to songbpm.com, it is merely 127 beats per minute. Um, Michelle said that that she would no longer be on the podcast if uh, if I didn't put that song on the playlist. And so not only is it on the playlist, it opens the playlist. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned that you made this. There was actually a fair amount of requests out there to share your playlist with people right, who right. listen to the podcast. Right. So it was... Uh, Guess what? Apropos. <laughs> apropos. I mean, everybody's in the market for a good playlist that they do not have to make themselves. Well, you will be glad. So every single song in this playlist, as I said, is 140 beats per minute or more, uh, except for Waka Waka, which is merely 127. Um, I also did try and make them a bit more family friendly. I tried to include a wide variety of different music. At this point, it's about 53 or 54 songs long, um, which I have found through doing playlists. Most songs are about three and a half to four minutes long. So you do the math on that. That's about three and a half hours long, um, the playlist is. So it should be able to get you through most of your workouts, maybe not your longest ultra races or your longest runs, but most of them at 140 beats per minute. I listened to it during the Zwift race the other night. Um, I did a workout on the treadmill on Tuesday. I listened to it during that. Um, so kind of bench testing the playlist stands up. It's a solid playlist. <laughs> so, so George, you're probably going to convert me to Spotify. My whole family uses Spotify. I have not been using Spotify to date. Um, if somebody wanted to find your playlist, how would they do that? 
Yeah, good question. Um, and so we will put the link to the playlist. Um, when we post this podcast, we'll, we'll kind of put the link to the playlist, um, all that sort of thing, so, so that people will be able to see it. Um, but they're all under my own personal account on Spotify. Um, and you can find me simply by searching George Darden. Um, and it is a playlist that's called Most Pleasant Exhaustion. If you really want to dive in deep, and you want to get songs that are not necessarily safe for work um, and and songs that are also not necessarily 140 beats per minute, but yet are songs that I have found are good workout songs. You can you can dive into George's all time workout list, which is another one of my playlists, which is almost nine hours long <laughs> um, and uh, and has pretty much every song I've ever listened to on a workout that I enjoyed um, and uh that will definitely get through you through most of your longest stuff there. Um, but but yeah, by all means, folks, have at it. Let's talk about the other things from last week. Eric, you had some added insight on the heart rate conversation we were having, right? Uh, that's right, George. So I've had some questions um, uh, from runners I know, and and I've looked at my own data sometimes, and you notice, you know, sometimes your heart rate data just doesn't make sense. And, you know, you feel like your effort is at one level, but your heart rate is much higher. And so I think a important thing to consider when you're looking at metrics uh, like heart rate data is that your heart rate is impacted by so many other things. Um, and so when you, when you, when you look at heart rate, you really have to sort of look at your life, like the season of your life, you know, is this a, is this, um, when, uh, the first few days of school and you have three kids and like, oh, I've got to get all the kids to school. And then you go for a run and your heart rate's really high. Well, that's probably kind of a stressful time for you. Um, if you're going through a transition, you know, buying a new home, if you're, uh, if your kids are going off to college or something along those lines, if it's like a extended period of maybe some, some high stress, that's going to impact your heart rate too. Um, anything like lack of sleep, even improper hydration and fueling, or just in general stress is going to impact your heart rate. So the, the point of this is that heart rate's a great metric. Um, in a in an event, heart rate can tell you when you've pushed too hard or when you could push a little bit harder, but you really have to look at it over a long period of time. You have to give it the, you have to take that step back and say, why is my heart rate where it is, you know, say during this workout where I ran five miles, the same five miles I ran, you know, a month ago, and now it's 10 to 15 beats lower or 10 to 15 beats higher. And think back to that month ago or that other period and what was going on then. Oh man, I was getting a whole lot more sleep and this was a really relaxing time in my life. And now all this stressful stuff's going on. Okay. That may have raised my heart rate. Fitness doesn't always drive heart rate mm -hmm. solely. We've talked a lot about whether wrist heart rate is accurate or you need a chest strap and I think you can get accurate heart rate measurements off of good watches both ways, but don't take that as, oh, I need a new watch or I need a heart rate strap. If you've got this 10 to 15 beat per minute difference, think big picture. That was, that was sort of the point. That was the, the added yeah, information yeah. on heart rate. And, and I think it's and the reason why I want to circle back around to it is because it's a super important point. And it's one that I've made when talking to people a whole lot and that, that we, in the midst of this conversation that we were having, none of the three of us really thought about it um or, or at least none of the three of us really brought it up and and that and that was too bad and that was we were kind of remiss in not doing that um and so so yeah i'm glad that you said it the thing that's so tricky about it too is that like a lot of those things that you mentioned 
they don't always necessarily affect your heart rate in a predictable fashion. Like if you don't get a whole lot of sleep the night before, it might make your heart rate higher or it might actually make your heart rate lower. <laughs> um, and and depending on the person, depending on, on, on some other intervening variables there as well. And so while heart rate can be a really good metric, yeah, you're totally right that you have to kind of take a step out and say, okay, what are some of the other factors that have nothing to do with training, that have nothing to do with the effort on this run uh, that might actually be influencing the heart rate reading that I'm seeing on my watch? And I think what you have to do is, you know, this isn't a this really isn't a conversation just about heart rate. This is a conversation about all those metrics. And I like the metrics that you can get off of uh, your Garmin watch or your Coros watch or your Polar watch or your whatever watch and the app where it'll show you. But you need to look at sleep last night, sleep over the last month. You need to look at training over the last week, training over the last three months. You need to look at where did the races occur? What, you know, where am I in this cycle? You need, and then you need to take a, you know, a complete step back and say, what things can my watch not measure? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Like what, what season of life am I in? Those sorts of things. And I, I think that's really important to really big picture these things. Cause if you focus solely on one thing, you might be missing the big picture. For sure. We have actually discussed, and we're going to do this sometime over the course of the next two months. We've actually discussed, uh, uh, looking at all the various features that watches offer and the various things that they tell you and talking about, okay, so what do all these things mean? Um, and what are the limitations? Um, um, and is this something that your watch is telling you is worth paying attention to, or maybe something that, that the company simply put on there, even though it's not really all that well developed yet. Um, and so, so I look forward to having that conversation a little bit more here over the course of the next couple of months. Maybe we'll do it like after the holidays, once we know a lot of people have probably gotten new stuff. And then, good idea. And, they're, and they're like good looking idea. at and, and trying to figure out whether the all these new all this new information and data that they are collecting if it's really really worthwhile because I'm here to tell you some of it's not. <laughs> we talk about the stuff that is important to buy over the next few weeks. <laughs> nice transition, Michelle. Michelle is 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 feels most strongly about the gift guide. So Michelle, why don't you kick us off? Um, if somebody comes to you and says, "All right." I need to buy something for a runner or I am a runner and I don't know exactly what to ask for. What are you going to suggest? So I'd like to start this off by telling everybody if they want like a really comprehensive men's or women's guide to winter running, I actually do have a document with links to like the baseline of what I think you need in order to run through a dark, cold, dreary winter. Um, and and I have used that over the last 10 years or so and update it, you know, as products go in and out. Okay. Um, so I think I've talked about this shirt before. I'm I'm adding another shirt to my must-have for winter running. Um, in years past, we've focused a lot on the Tracksmith Brighton base layer. It's a lighter weight merino wool base layer. Um, I think it's good. For mid 40s, you know, you can use it um, as cool as it gets is a base layer. It can stand on its own kind of in the high 30s to mid 40s. I've purchased one per year over the last three years. So I've, you know, this is a very tried and true product for me. I finally got a color this year that's been out of stock um, the last few times I've tried to buy it. So I'm very excited to have a third uh, Brighton base layer in my collection and I wear this for everything. I wear it skiing. I wear it 
like just out and about, you know, in town. Um, and I obviously wear it mostly to run um, as soon as the temperature drops. And I would say that it's really, if you're going to buy one shirt to kind of make it through the fall and winter, this this would be my my choice shirt. How many of these do you have now? Three. <laughs> the other shirt from Tracksmith that I would super recommend, and I know that Eric and even Eric's wife, Melissa, and daughter Grace will agree with me, is the Fells Waffle Layer. I've worn it in upper 20s by itself. It's just a thicker wool shirt. It's got that kind of old school waffle long underwear look. It's a little bit more expensive than the Brighton base layer, but I I honestly cannot imagine winter running without it at this point. And I just want to say we're recording on Black Friday and Tracksmith doesn't do this very often, but they do have just an across the board 20% off code, gravy20. If you can get your hands on one of these shirts, if they have it in a color or size that you want, first of all, you're really lucky and it probably won't still be there tomorrow. Um, you should definitely order it today. And and I wanna be clear that both of these shirts are applied to men and women. I've recommended them over and over and over and I just get nothing but, oh, this is my favorite shirt feedback after people uh, buy and wear them. So I'm gonna start and yes, with that. I, I can attest to this because Michelle made this recommendation to Melissa and Grace probably two or three years ago. And yesterday morning, Melissa and Grace came downstairs. They were wearing the same shirt, the same color, and Grace wasn't having it. So Melissa went upstairs, and because she had two of them, she came downstairs in a Fells waffle shirt. I don't know what color it was. It was like kind of like a burnt orange uh, color. And both of them raced yesterday in that shirt. So very good. Eric, you had something on your list that is not for cold weather, but for hot weather, right? Right. So that I think a lot of times we focus on um, gifts of the season and what I, what people should, you know, I'm, I'm real careful with when I buy stuff like this because I want it to last and I don't want to spend a ton of money for it. <laughs> so thinking about some summertime items this time of year is actually a really good thing. So the number one thing on my list, and this isn't number one, like most important, but this was something that Grace had when she did her uh, Keys 100, uh, 100 miler. It's the uh, Nathan, um, it's called the Nathan Run Cool Ice Bandana. And this is something you're going to see a lot when summer rolls around, people wearing, they started coming out this summer and a lot of people were wearing them, but basically it's a, it's a bandana with a pocket that you can put ice in. And we attribute, you know, Grace's success at the Keys 100, which is a very hot race in the sun, uh, to keeping her, her body temperature down. And when you can put a bandana on that has ice, you know, in a pocket and you can just keep replacing that ice, I think that's a pretty powerful tool. Um, they also make a buff that has uh, two little pockets, um, I think on either side. So uh, we have one of those also. We have not tested it as we did the bandana though. And the bandana was, it was pretty phenomenal. I will say I learned one thing, uh, putting straight up ice in the pocket causes it to just melt and then drain down your back or, you know, actually your whole body. And that can get in your shoes and that, that could, you know, be problematic. The a recommendation that was made was just freeze ice in Ziploc bags and then drop the Ziploc bags in there and then refreeze the ice. So just something to think about with this, but it's a, it's a pretty solid product. And, and I will be using one of these during my summer 
ultras uh, come 2023? I think if I was going to register for a summer race, I would definitely get one of these. I mean, I remember <laughs> when you were just describing uh, what Grace wore for this down in the keys. I knew exactly what it was. I knew exactly what it looked like. You see it all over in the summer, especially in the longer distance hotter races. Um, I'm, I do think it's time for Nathan to bring in some other pattern. I mean, this, this is synonymous with, you know, this, Hey, did you see that guy, that light blue, like, um, but yeah, we'll see. So it's kind of a cool pattern it's not like a single color it's got nathan all over it and it's like light blue to dark blue kind of slashy looking um Um, very good and then you had something else for hot weather on your list too right eric this could be a warm weather or a cold weather item uh i went out on a limb and purchased a solomon vest uh specifically the solomon um advanced adv skin 12 and so i'd never had a a real running vest before I've had, I've had the little backpacks that you put a water bottle in, but this is a proper vest with a closure in the front and uh, two water bottles, you know, on the front. I don't actually carry a bladder with this. I just carry the bottles and I'm not necessarily just saying this specific vest, the ADV skin 12, they have a lot of different options here. Um, ones that have different pocket designs in the back and ones that don't have as many pockets. This one has a large number of pockets, two zippers in the front, the two for the water bottles in the front. And then it has ones that go around the side and it's obviously got a big pocket in the back. But um, one, a couple of things that I really like about this specific vest are um, it has the uh, compression strings on the back. And when I do my mountain to sea trail runs, I typically run half the run on the trail and then I run back to my car on the road. So I actually strap a pair of road shoes to the back of this and it's perfect. Like I don't even notice they're there. They don't bobble around. Um, I don't, I don't feel them. So that's really cool for me. Um, on the front side, those zipper pockets are big enough for your phone. So you can put your phone in a bag and stick it in there. The side pockets are great for either taking like in cold weather, taking your hat off or your gloves off and stuffing them in there. Or what I use them for is fueling. So, and what I typically do is there's divisions in the front pockets. I put the fuel and then in the back pockets that are a little bit more around the side is where I dump the trash. And that just kind of like fills into the center of the back. So I think this is a excellent vest for, you know, a, a 30K, a 50K, a 50 miler, 100, 100K, 100 miler. You know, there's just a lot of options of what you can do with this. Um, I'll just chime in that I actually wear the Solomon Advanced Skin 8. Um, they make this both in an 8 and a 10 and a 12, I think. And the one Eric is referring to is a unisex vest, but Solomon is one of the companies that makes female-specific vests. It sort of puts the front soft flasks, flasks lower, um, sort of like under a female breast line, I guess. So it is something worth checking out. I actually was gifted a vest in 2019. Solomon was a a sponsor of a running camp that I went to. So I've never tried another vest, but I've worn mine and washed it a lot for the last three years. And it's literally perfect. And I'm talking, I wash it and I'm sure I'm going to get all sorts of shit for this, but I literally put it in like a garment bag and wash it after every time I run in it, if it's sweaty, because it's just gross. Um, So that's a good point. And also because you value it because you think it's a good piece of gear though. So Right. You're trying to keep it clean. No, I I would never question that, Michelle. I would suggest this though. And this is something I do with a lot of my gear. 
um, with the vest and like with um, uh, running um, reflective vests and all that, I simply wash it out. Like I, when I'm taking my shower, the first thing I do is I, I carry that in there and I wash it out, wring it out, hang it. And I've never had a stinky vest the next time I've gone for a run. So you don't have to put it in the washer. Um, I would, I would recommend just, just washing it and wringing it out and hanging it up. Just, just an option. And that's, you know, I've talked about this before. I do not put anything in the washer and dryer that I don't have to, that I value because as great as those items are, you do get a lot of wear and tear in the washer and dryer. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, I was yeah. talking to a friend, a training partner on Wednesday who said that, that he takes really good care of a lot of his stuff, but the way that he always washes off his heart rate monitor strap is he just wears it into the shower. Um, he wear, he yep. you know gets undressed, gets in the shower, but has his heart rate monitor strap still on, walks into the shower, you know, wa so washes it off and then hangs it over the, the shower. Um, and so it's able to dry out. So, so that evidently works out pretty well for him. I um, do the exact same thing. I take off my watch after every run, run it under um, water and dry it off and then charge it while I'm showering to let it dry. I think those sorts of things that, that little bit of salt, you can really destroy stuff with. For sure. Um, so. For sure. For sure. So speaking of things that are useful, particularly in hot weather, but but are useful throughout the course of the entire year, I want to actually throw in a plug for one of our sponsors. Um, uh, SlayRx, of course, is one of our sponsors, um, and they make a, a, a real wide variety of fueling products. Um, and the thing that I think is one of the, the great things about SlayRx um, is that they make them in varying qualities or varying uh, concentrations of sodium um, based on your sweat content. Um so one of the things I'm going to suggest, and I have, it's funny, I, I uh, as I was thinking about things that I would suggest and things that have been meaningful to me over the course of the past year and things that I've used and I've really liked uh, that I would recommend for other people, I found myself thinking of like a lot more services rather than products. Um, and by all means, like products like Slayer X, the actual nutrition products matter, sure. Um, but I think like sweat testing such as what they provide that we know a few people that have done it over the course of the last little while here. Um, I think that's a really worthwhile thing to offer to someone. Um, when I did the sweat testing on this podcast, um, Patrick Ollinger and I did it a couple of years ago. Um, that changed me. <laughs> um, I knew that I was a heavy sweater up to that point, but I had never in the summer worn a vest such as the type that Eric and Michelle were just talking about. Um, I had never really paid super close attention to hydration, even though I had a problem with getting dehydrated and stuff. Once I actually went through that test and got tested by them and found out that I was losing more than 90 ounces of, of fluid per hour uh, uh, training in hot weather, um, that impacted me to, and in, in, in to such a degree that I actually changed my practices. Um, and so, so yeah, that's one thing that I'm going to recommend is, is services such as the sweat testing that you, you get at SlayRx. Um, I think if you have a triathlete in your life, um, one of the best things, one of the best upgrades that a triathlete can do, uh, for their, uh, for their bike is to get a good bike fit. Um, uh, you know, we, we tend to, to want to buy the fastest wheels and those make a difference. And we tend to want to buy the fastest headsets and the fastest fueling systems and all that sort of thing. But if you're not fit properly on your bike, none of that matters. Um, and so, so buying a bike fit for somebody is one of the cheapest and most impactful uh, upgrades that a triathlete can make. Um, and, and also simply coaching, um, 
employing someone to actually coach you. I, I feel like I have become much more aware over the course of the past year and a half of how much bad information there is out there about how to train. Um, and maybe it's because I've been in like some of the world marathon major Facebook groups, the amount of bad advice that people running the London marathon gave to other people running the London marathon in the London marathon, Facebook group that Facebook group that I was in over the course of the past year is staggering. Um, and of course the first few times I saw it, I might've like waded into the conversation and been like, yeah, that's not really a good idea to try and run every single one of your runs at marathon pace. Um, but eventually, like the the overwhelming amount of information that was out there that was just such bad information, um, I couldn't fight against it. And so I just had to sort of ignore it. Um, and so if you know somebody that's looking for uh, a good gift over the holidays, giving them a coach, a qualified coach that can actually write a schedule for them and can take them through the process um, of of training in a way that is physiologically and psychologically and logistically sustainable, that is something that will pay dividends even after they quit working with the coach. Um, if they can learn from the coach about how to train well, um, that's something that can profoundly influence the remainder of their entire endurance sporting life. Um, so yeah, the, 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 those were three things that I wanted to do. Um, I do specifically recommend Slayer X, of course, for sweat testing, but I don't have a particular bike fitter or a particular uh, a coach in mind with those sorts of things. But that is something that I think that, that, that I would recommend as well. Before you move on, I like that because those are basically all coaching aspects. Mm -hmm. It's coaching you on your hydration, mm -hmm. coaching you on the fit of a bike, because that is a coaching thing, right? It's something that's a beyond your level of understanding, maybe, and that you need a little bit of outside mm -hmm. uh, influence on. And then just coaching in general. And I think a lot of people shy away from that because they think of two things. I'm not good enough to need a coach. Totally. Or a coach is too expensive. Mm -hmm. And and I'll there are inexpensive coaches and there are levels of coaching that maybe match what you want. Um, I was recently talking to somebody about it and I, I said, Hey, if you don't want a full on coach, you just want someone to look at your training plan and tell you whether it makes sense or not. Hey, I'll do that. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, and so, cause sometimes it's just a second set of eyes. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times, you know, a couple of the runners that I coach ask me a question. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, that is the dumbest thing you could ever do like, mm -hmm. like who would race on Tuesday and then race on Thursday and actually <laughs> expect it to be a good result. Right. So, but, but having that external person, like just say, okay, let's set expectations for how that's going to go so that it, you don't go through this roller coaster of, well, why didn't I perform well? Well, you know, it, having another voice in there is really important. So for sure. I think that, that those are great ideas, George. Michelle, what's, what's next on your list? Okay, I'm going to go with one more thing that's going to help you uh, make it through the winter running season. Right. Um, this is a new to me item, and I sort of fell victim to the marketing on it and then the sales and also just the brand, Jonji, and kind of their collective uh, you know, statement and, and what they give back to. But yep, they... I agree. They have sort of a new and improved uh, Rain Runner pack jacket. It's technically actually waterproof and breathable. I understand <laughs> that in every other you know realm of talking about Gore-Tex products and you know nothing can actually be fully waterproof and also breathable. Um, but I have found this to keep me 
I actually can't believe I've been running this long in the rain without a jacket that is this light and this waterproof. This is, and I, and I have like the Solomon Bonatti jacket, which is also, if you read all the, you know, reviews, it says that it's fully waterproof and you can go out in a storm and you don't get wet. And maybe it's just user error. I've never had that experience with, uh, with my other, with this Solomon waterproof jacket, but I have had that experience with, uh, the John G. Rainrunner pack jacket. Um, I've actually bought it for a few people for gifts for this holiday season. It just went on a crazy sale where if you're a member of the John G. Collective, I think it was down to a hundred dollars. It's a $200 jacket. I don't know what the Black Friday, you know, through the weekend Cyber Monday sale is, but if you're looking for a new, you know, shell uh, jacket to kind of block the wind and keep you dry, then put your money, you know, buy this jacket. You said you fell victim to the marketing. Was it the guy standing in the shower with the jacket on? Come on. It was so good. So <laughs> I was going to say, because I, I hadn't seen that ad until very recently. For whatever so, reason, the algorithm just discovered that between my politics and my running, that John, that G, John G is something that, that actually would work for me. Yeah. And so I've seen a lot of their ads lately. Um, um, and I so, saw that one just within the last week. That advertisement is very nostalgic for me because it reminds me of when I was like a young teenager and I first learned that the REI in Seattle has, you can go there and try on like a Gore-Tex jacket and they have a room where it'll like rain on you. Mm -hmm. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Mm -mm. Okay. So for me, I've always like, I've been enthralled by that. Like if, if I ever go to, I've never been to Seattle, but like I would want to go to this REI and test the gear and stand in a room where I get rained on. So when John G put that out, I was like, oh, that's so good. Like that is, that is so good. That is such good marketing. Um, but no, I just, I mean, I must've sent Eric this jacket at least three times. And I think the, the second and third time he's like, you already sent this to me. Didn't we already talk about this? <laughs> and it's like, yes, but I just, I just want some affirmation that it's a good purchase. Um, anyways, I didn't get that from Eric, but I still purchased it. And I think it's a good purchase. <laughs> you keep telling me that Melissa would like it. That, that's well, what you keep doing. Cause you're then to try to sell this to me, because my thought is I sweat so much. It does not matter if I'm wearing a rain jacket that I can stand in the Seattle rain room, the Seattle REI rain room and not get wet. Cause it, it, the, that doesn't, that doesn't, I mean, I could wear a plastic bag and it's the same as wearing this right. uh, $200 jacket. Right. Because you're going to you're gonna be sweating so much inside the jacket. No, I'm the yeah, same to one. To me. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, sh I shift towards thin uh, wool layers and whatnot to stay warm if it's a, if it's a cold weather run and just mm -hmm. know that I'm going to get, I'm, I'm going to be damp. So that's yeah, how it yeah. goes. So, so the water's just not coming from the outside. The water's coming from the inside. That is correct. <laughs> right, right, right. Very good. Uh, Y'all had some accessories on your list. Um, what are some of the so-called accessories you had on your list, uh, Eric? So I had a one really... I guess that vest would be an accessory, but anyway, keep going. Well, yeah, I had one really cheap accessory that, you know, if, if you're just trying to get a stocking stuffer for someone who races a lot, and, you know, this goes back to how I value the, the gear I use. And this is my shorts, my shirts, whatever. Um, a race belt is a, a really great, simple, cheap accessory. Melissa and Grace have some really nice Jonji shirts. And when it comes to race time, you know, 
putting four or two or four holes in your Johnsy shirt to put a number on it. Um, not always the best idea, especially if it's like a, if it's an ultra. Um, so, or that, even that Fells waffle shirt, um, you know, it's a $120, uh, shirt from Tracksmith. Do you really want to start sticking a number on there with, with, uh, safety pins? So the, the specific, any race belt would probably work. Um, but the race light quick clip, uh, race number belt from Amphipod, uh, this is what I have. Melissa has grace has it's, it's excellent. Um, it's got these two little plastic clips that actually grab the number and then are very simple closure, uh, for, um, for how you put it on your waist. Uh, and I think it's a one size fits all deal. I don't think they're multiple sizes comes in two colors, gray and pink, but we have three of these and they're phenomenal. Um, so I would recommend this to anybody who does a lot of races and they don't want to, you know, pin stuff to their clothing. I, I still do it occasionally. Um, I'll pin stuff to a pair of shorts or something if I don't want to deal with the race belt, but especially for like stage races and stuff where you don't have to keep the number on the whole time and you will be changing your clothes a lot. This is a great idea. Right on. Very good. Very good. Michelle, what else you got? So timing right along with a uh, stocking stuffer. Um, I love this brand Skitta. They've really just kind of come alive the last few years. It started as primarily you saw like Nordic skiers wearing it all the time. Um, and then it kind of has transitioned into all, you know, winter sports, cold weather activities, fashion accessories. They're a brand that's uh, Burlington, Vermont. So they kind of started quote unquote locally. And I think it's just a fun, I like to gift people either an ear warmer. They have one that is, and one isn't fleece lined. They also have hat. One is, and one isn't fleece lined. I personally prefer the fleece lined items and, uh, you know, gift suggestion, but I think you can find something both for a man or a woman or a child even of your choosing. <laughs> yeah, they do have a kid's collection also. I did notice that. So yeah, I, I just, so, I've never yeah, seen this and if, before. Oh my gosh. And if you want to match with your kids, so cute. Like George, you could match with your boys. It would be so cute. <laughs> now we're talking. Now we're talking. Um, Okay. And then one other thing is without fail, somebody always just wants to buy somebody a pair of running shoes. And I don't ever think it's a good idea to gift somebody a pair of running shoes. But I do think this year, if you're going to gift somebody a pair of running shoes, I think you should gift them. And we talk about it all the time. Uh, the Puma Deviate Nitro 2. I'm one of the only people, it seems in this world that the two doesn't work as well for as the one literally across the board. Uh, the reviews for the one were fabulous and the reviews for the two were fabulous. Plus they fixed the problems with number one. I'm this rare person that the problems in number one actually weren't problems for me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually another one of those people. Yeah. The so-called problems of the number one were what I consider to be the best parts of number one. And so even though I've read all these really good reviews about the two, I've been stockpiling the ones. I literally bought a pair an hour before this podcast started on a Black Friday sale of the ones. Yeah. So keep on though. I'm only, I'm down to one more pair of the ones, but moving Michelle and George's preference aside, this is a do everything shoe. This yeah. shoe is, I cannot tell you how many people that never wear the same type of shoe have tried the shoe and just given it rave reviews. So I would say I'm always kind of a fan of, well, does the Nike Pegasus work for you? Does, you know, like the Brooks ghost work. Do you want to try a Saucony ride? Kind of just those tried and true three 
um, brands and their three, you know, most popular trainers. But I'm I'm going all in on the Puma fam here. I'm going to say if you're that person and you've got to buy somebody a pair of running shoes this holiday season, please buy them the Puma Deviate Nitro 2. Pick a cool color. Um, they'll look better. They'll feel better. I wish Puma paid me to tell you guys this, but I feel very strongly they don't pay me. And I still agree with my recommendation here. So very good. Just had Saturday Night Live flashbacks. <laughs> Is when you look good, you <laughs> feel good. These do look really so, good. So I've got I've got two items. One's one's low cost, one's fairly high cost. Um, but both have can have serious impacts on uh, ultra runner performance. Um, we all, you know, I have a box of products for minimizing chafing, and I've used probably 10 or 12 different ones, but Melissa found this, this company, uh, squirrels, nut butter. And I got to tell you, this stuff works. They have, uh, anti-chafe sticks. So it's more like a deodorant stick. And then they have the pastes, which come in multiple sizes of little containers. I, I think I have four or five of these just kind of interspersed through all the stuff I have, you know, but it's really all the same stuff. I'm convinced it's all the same stuff. Um, so you know, if, if you have a product that you like and it works great. Um, if you have a product you like and it works and you want to try something else, I would try this stuff. It's not really expensive. Uh, it's, uh, and it works. I'll just say that it works. Uh, during my last hundred, I put this stuff on the night before I put the stuff on in the morning before the race, I didn't do it again. And I only had chafing in really one spot. And it's because I didn't do a good job of, uh, applying before everything else was just fine. So I think that's a great product. Uh, the second product, and it's, I, I break this down into two, um, you know, George and Michelle joke about, you always know the serious uh, ultra runners out at Kennesaw because they have poles and they go slow. Uh, trekking poles are a big I don't think deal. I've said the slow part, but I've definitely said the poles part. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> okay. And button down flannel shirts. And button down flannel shirts, yes. Sure and and, and beards and trucker hats. Keep going. <laughs> so... If you're going to get a set of, of trekking poles, though, I think you really need to consider like how how they're used and how you're going to carry them and how you're going to transport them uh, to some of these distance races. Uh, we were getting on an airplane, and um, what I what we have fallen on, and this is Melissa, Grace, and I are the distance Z trekking poles from uh, Black Diamond, and they come in two forms. They come in a carbon form, uh, which is what we have, and they come in an aluminum form. The things that I like about these. They break down to a third of the size or a third of the length because it's a Z. That's what the Z stands for. You can you can break the pole down. It's a single little push button that does this. Um, it's adjustable, so if it ever gets loose over time, you know you can you can tighten them back up. But they're just super lightweight. Um, when they fold down to that small size, I can strap them into that Solomon pack just like I do the shoes on the back. I can even almost fully tuck them into the the zipper pocket. Uh, they fit in all my boxes that I bring out to, uh, races for ultras and whatnot. So it's not like I have this pole sitting there and unlike a telescoping pole, you know, a lot of people, you know, want to buy a telescoping pole, unlike a telescoping pole where, um, if the mechanism fails, the pole will start to slide on you. Um, these are Z poles. So the mechanism is not actually taking the stress as you're utilizing it. Um, and even if that little push button fails, um, you can continue to use the pole um, during the race. Uh, it will only impact its its ability to operate slightly. So something to just consider 
Um, when you also are considering like, I'm going to be out there for hundred miles, like what is the longevity of this product? Um, and then when you're out there for hundred miles, you know, even if you're going to carry it in your hands, they're nice and lightweight, you can fold them and carry them in your hands. Or like I said, you can put them on your, on your back. So the black diamond carbon Z, uh, trekking poles or the aluminum version, it's about a $50 difference between the two. Very cool. Very good. Um, yeah, definitely. I would not have known what polls to say. So, so I'm, I'm glad that you made a, a recommendation with those for sure. Um, all right. I'm going to flip back into, to what I was saying before around services and, and less tangible items, I guess you could say. Um, uh, and the, the other thing I'm going to, to offer, uh, or suggest are subscriptions. Um, I, I have found that that having subscriptions to various things have been really worthwhile for me over the course of the past short while here. Um, I subscribe to Spotify. I'm a premium user on Spotify, as we've talked about before. Um, I use it to make all of these playlists, and I can actually play the playlist in the order that I want them to be played because I'm a subscriber to Spotify. They do have a free version, um, but but uh, I, I pay for the premium version there. I'm a subscriber to Trainer Road. Um, which has all sorts of various features, including the group workout feature that I use every Wednesday and Friday. Um, I'm a subscriber to Wahoo System, which was formerly known as Sufferfest, whichever, whenever I do a, a, a workout on there, uh, either Eric or our friend Lee will remind me that, that it should be called Sufferfest um, rather than, than Wahoo System. Uh, but they have a wide variety of things. Um, I'm a subscriber to Zwift, um, as, as everybody knows, and I use that on a regular basis. But then I also subscribe to Runner's World Online. I also, we as a podcast, subscribe to Outside Online, which has a lot of really good content. Um, and it has a really broad uh, subscription base there um, so that you can read things that are written by Alex Hutchinson and David Roche and, and many, many other people. Um, and so um, I, I would suggest that, that, that some subscriptions are, are some pretty good things uh, that, that you can give to people as well. Um, now, if you're not into or if they're already subscribed to all the magazines and Spotify and all the different training platforms and all that sort of thing, uh, I might suggest a meal delivery service. Um, when I decided about eight weeks out from the London Marathon to try out Paleo for Athletes, um, that was a challenge for me because it's not a meal approach or a, an eating approach that really works for my family. Um, my wife, we've had her on the podcast before, is a vegetarian. Um, and, and so to have a really heavy meat and protein-based uh uh, eating plan was not something that was simply going to work. Um, and so I ended up subscribing to a meal delivery service called Trifecta that has a paleo meal delivery service. And they would send me a box every week of, of 10 different ready to eat meals, basically that you would heat up on, on in a skillet. Um, and I would eat those while the other people in my family might eat something else. Um, I since then have tried another one called Factor, um, which doesn't have as many options, but the food tastes better. It's a little bit higher quality. Um, and, and that's been pretty useful for me as well. And I've actually continued the subscription, even though I, uh, I am no longer uh, eating as strictly paleo as I was before. Um, and so what I found um, is that that's a really good way to uh, kind of fill in a gap, if you will. Um, well, I really want to eat better, or I really want to 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 experiment with this different way of eating, um, but I don't know exactly how to make it work or how to do it. Um, whether that's being a vegan, or whether that's doing paleo, or whether that's doing keto, or whatever it is that you want to try, 
um, there are mail, mail delivery services that can kind of jumpstart all of that for you. Um, and so they can get pricey, um, but that's something that that I would certainly recommend uh, looking into as a gift as well. Um, Michelle, wrap us up. All right. I'm going to go back to a little bit of safety, uh, best bang for your buck during either this time of year or let's just say any time that it's dark outside. Um, I guess in the in the safety, you know, I'm going to recommend, and I think I've spoken about this before, the Amphipod flash dot LED Vizlet safety lights. You can buy them in a package of two. Um, I once had a UPS driver tell me that of all the things runners wear, you know, especially when they're ending their day at 4.30, 5 o'clock and it's already dark, um, are these tiny little kind of LED flashing lights. You can find them just about anywhere, REI, running warehouse, local running store. Um, they do die. But not the one um, where that jerk who won the gobble jog works. Keep going. <laughs> uh, you do have to kind of cycle them out. I would just say the thing that I love about them is it's not a vest or anything. It's just this tiny little magnetic. You can put it on the collar of a shirt. A lot of times I'll wear mine. If I have a shirt untucked, I'll just kind of put it on the bottom of the shirt. So it kind of sits on my hip. Um, you could literally put it on the back of a pair of, you know, if you wanted, if you had on knicker, I don't know if that's something that men wear, but let's just say, you know, half tights or running tights that aren't all the way to the ankle. Cause most of our shoes have some reflectivity on the ankles of them. So you can kind of put them everywhere. They're very low maintenance and they're not crazy expensive. So when they die and you have to buy a new pair, it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, the second thing I'll recommend is a headlamp that sort of has taken uh, the ultra world, I feel like, by storm. If people aren't sponsored, it's what I'm seeing just about on, on everyone. It's the Nightcore NU25 um, 360 lumen triple output lamp. I don't think it's the one that Eric just bought. <laughs> I think Eric nope. and George have the same lamp and they're very happy with theirs. Um, this one is on Amazon. There's nothing wrong with the one that Eric and George have. This is just the one that if people don't seem to, you know, be sponsored by Petzl or Nathan or BioLite, um, I don't know. It's everywhere. I, it was just on everybody's head, you know, and a few local people have purchased it. And um, some people have even taken the band and kind of replaced it with a uh, ribbon to lighter the weight if you're one of those people that needs a lighter weight um, or a different, you know, way to secure it to your head if you get headaches. So, um, yeah, something for safety and and something to kind of light the way, whether it's early morning, late at night, or you're one of these crazy people that run 100 miles and have to run all night. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have. Um, it's funny. Earlier in my running career, so so years and years and years and years ago, I really didn't like wearing lights and lighting and reflective gear and all that sort of thing. Um, and, it's annoying. And some, and yeah, it can be annoying for sure. But but it's something that I've kind of come around to. Um, that the advantages of wearing them and being visible, um, or of seeing if that's the direction you're going to go with the light that you mentioned there, uh, far outweigh the annoyance. Um, and, and really, if you buy good ones, they're actually not all that annoying, um, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, clipping those little amphipods on on the back of your uh, the back of your pants or on the, on the back of your shirt is really not that big a deal. And they can. Yeah. They I mean, if you're a guy, increase your visibility. Yeah. If you're a guy and you don't have long hair 
first of all, I like long hair, so you should think about that. No, I'm just kidding. But you can just clip it in. <laughs> Eric's look at his face. It's just a joke, guys. It's fine. Your hair's fine. It's okay. Um, no, but honestly, it's super visible if you can just clip it onto the back collar of your shirt. If you're running, you know, at a place where for sure traffic's going to be coming up behind you. Um, and obviously, you know, you can put one on back and one on front. I don't know. I just find them to be super versatile and they're not one of those vests that you know, have all sorts of light, but you've got to put your arms through it. It's just kind of a no nonsense, throw it on, rip it off and not much excuse, you know, not to wear, to wear something when you have that as an option. So, yeah. Very good. Very good. I think if you're going to run in the dark and you don't put lights on and personally, I think flashing lights, I think you're just asking to get hit and lights in the front are important. Lights in the back are important. Um, I, I've always thought um, and I thought this, I started thinking this when I was a cyclist and I continue to think it now that I, I don't really ride my bike outside anymore. Uh, but when I run outside that if drivers see that you are trying to be safe by wearing more lights or by wearing a helmet when you're riding your bike or, and, and by abiding by traffic laws and things like that, if, if drivers see you being safe, they will be more safe around you. Um, like I, I think that seeing someone attempting to be safe has a subtle subconscious effect on the, the other people around you, and they will be more careful around you. Um, if they get the sense that you are reckless about your safety, cause you're not wearing a helmet or you're, you're riding your bike against traffic, or if you're, you're, um, running down the middle of the road or, or, you know, whatever, or, or if you're, you're wearing all dark clothes, um, uh, uh, and no lights, I, I think they're, they're less likely to be careful around you because they think that you don't care about your own safety. Um, and so, yeah, I agree. Um, and I agree. so, 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 so yeah, doing things to, to increase your safety, not only will make you more visible, but also I think will mean that, that people in cars will be more careful around you. One point about that headlamp. So Michelle, you mentioned this when I was looking at headlamps and I'll be honest about why I didn't get it because yeah. you're right. You see yeah. a lot of people wearing it and it's actually very inexpensive. Um, uh, and it has a lot of the same um, functions that my black diamond lamp has. Um, it's cause I don't know what night core is. Um, I tend to buy a uh, fairly large company, you know, established products. I, I've, I've talked about black diamond. I've talked about, um, Solomon, you know, those are, those are companies that have been around for forever. Sure. And yo, know, Nathan, I expect my stuff to be around for forever. And that's not to say I'm willing to spend anything on anything. I will find a deal, but I will tend to lean towards the more established companies when I buy this stuff, because I expect it to last a long time. And sure. if it doesn't, I expect them to back that up. I don't know anything about this company. I'm not saying good or bad. I'm just saying that was what drove me away from this. And I said, I'm just going to go buy another black diamond headlamp. Yeah. You make a good point. I tend to make all purchases along the same line of reasoning. I do it is an interesting. I, I, I don't for what that's worth, but, <laughs> I but, do. But, that, but that's a conversation we can have some other time. <laughs> Maybe I'll go down kind of a small rabbit hole and see how Nightcore found its way, you know, into the, into the running scene. Um, I mean, if you look at the products on Amazon, they're five-star reviews and there's thousands and thousands of them. That is, you know, very, uh, very helpful for me when, I, when I'm generally making an Amazon purchase. But yeah, I mean, typically I had never heard of Nightcore either 12 months ago. I would, this would not be even a name I could have talked about for, you know, last year's gift guide. Every company has to start somewhere. 
And some of these fabulous companies get sucked up by the big companies because they have a fabulous product or they become the next big company. Mm -hmm. Um, But I tend to go with the established companies and their products because I I want my stuff to last. Fair, fair. Well, on that note, speaking of last year's gift guide versus this year's gift guide and next year's gift guide, maybe we'll be talking about Nightcore or some other company that's not even on the radar as an established company that we will be recommending this time next year, right? I uh, I appreciate you spending so much time with me today talking about turkey trots and, and last week's podcast and, of course, what we suggest everybody uh, get for themselves or for the other endurance athletes in their lives here over the course of the next month or so as we move into the holiday season. Eric, congrats again on the win. Thanks for being here, man. Hey, thanks, George. Uh, defending my title, you know, that's important. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Michelle, I hope to see you when we are both trail running on Sunday morning in the rain. Uh, you'll be wearing that Janji jacket, I imagine. I will One have second. some Slayer X in my hand. It's going to rain on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, on Facebook at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, ITL Coaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com, facebook.com slash here for SlayRx. That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter, at official SlayRx, and Instagram, here for Slay RX, the number four Slay RX. Discount code Pleasant22. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.